welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. Hello, hello, hello. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. And again, as I say every single time, we have another phenomenal guest. Now, this person that I'm bringing to the stage today is not just a regular guest. I've known this gentleman since my teenage years. And so I'm going to give you a little backstory, you know, on who I'm bringing to the stage right now. You know, we used to have these lunch fest, you know, and we'll have a DJ come out and it's something to kind of get the kids going and whatnot. And when it first started, we had the most horrible DJs that were coming through. Just it was just pathetic. And so the students complained, they complained and was like, no, we need better. We need better music. And lo and behold, our next guest came through. And the entire school, and I, I'm not exaggerating here, the entire school just fell in love with him because he was playing all of the music that everyone loved. And it didn't matter your nationality or whatnot. His genre was just reaching everyone. And that's what music does, right? It touches your soul. So this next guest, not only did he start playing at our lunch fest, he was doing our dances. He was doing, you know, all of the things that we were all the activities that we had, we always had this next guest. So we always go back. We grew up together. He's like family to me. You know, it's like when you when you get to this point in your life and you're still around and you have these people who share these memories, it's family. And so this next guest, I'm honored to bring to the stage. And I want you guys to give him that love because he has a story for us, you know. And so the next guest here, we're bringing Kenny. Jackson to the stage. Let's go, Kenny. What's going on? I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. Um, that is very that is very humbling. The feeling is extremely mutual. You have a contagious smile, contagious positive energy, and it's actually a shame that it took us this long to get connected in this format, considering that uh, for me, it'll be uh, 10 years cancer-free this upcoming December, so we'll get into that, but it is a pleasure to know you. I'm extremely proud of you, man. And uh, anything I can continue to do to help your cause and for us to continue to shine a light on this situation and help other people, that's a blessing and it's a sense of purpose for me. So thanks for having me. Oh, Ken. Oh, Ken, it's my, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. So let's, let's get into it, you know, because Ken, the reason we do these podcasts, you know, is one, a lot of times you get diagnosed, there's so much anxiety, it's overwhelming and fear because not too many people study what's what cancer's about. Like we we know when you get a common cold, what you do, right? You go to the store, the drugstore, you get this, you get that, and that helps you. Like there's no fear in getting a cold. But when you hear the word cancer, you know, it does something. And a lot of times, a lot of the way, a lot of the reasons why is because the way it's portrayed, right? And the things that we hear. So we don't have a full perspective on it. So so to get on here, Ken, and tell your story, and one, to tell your story as a male, you know, we don't get enough men to talk about their issues, right? Because we bottle it up. A lot of men bottle it up. And so to have you on here uh, to tell your story, thank you so much for that. And uh, it's a privilege. Thank you. And again, um, it's going to be a love fest. I'm sure the audience will get sick of uh, the the groveling back and forth. but. Kudos to you for 
taking action and creating a platform and a medium and just the opportunity to share these things. So no, let's dive into it. For some, they may look at the background whenever they see this, a couple of things there just to set the tone. It's a lot of orange in that background. Orange is one of my favorite colors. It's also a beach. I want to say a sunset either in Hawaii or Laguna because I can't see, but the beach is my favorite spot. It's, um, It's my happy place. It's a source of inspiration, a source of reflection. I'm a man of faith. So just seeing a day end and a day begin, it means a lot to me. So no, uh, the orange background is, you know, is it a sunset? Is it a new day? Is it a day coming to an end? But it's my jam. It's my jam. I love it. I love it. So Ken, let's, let's get into it. I want to ask you a question. You know, the Ken Jackson, first of all, what, what were you diagnosed with, Ken? So some of this is foggy. To just give quick context, you've known me for many years. I will turn 57 this summer. I've always been very fortunate from a health perspective. So this definitely caught me off guard. I was diagnosed, I want to say it was April 5th, 2013. I remember that day too. It was a Friday. It was also, if I recall correctly, the day the church that I was attending at the time, the day that Pastor Rick Warren found out his son, I believe, had committed suicide. So it, it was a culmination of a couple of things. But I was diagnosed with HPV, which is a human papilloma virus. I believe now that they're administering potentially voluntarily vaccines to, I think, teenage kids. But basically, the way that I was educated, if I know it, if I recall correctly, it's, let's call it um, kind of a strain of a cancer that can be related to STDs, you can get it from oral sex. And so I think those days where we talked about music and clubs and lifestyles and different things come into play. But I was diagnosed with HPV. For those that may know, it's the same cancer that Michael Douglas had, as well as George Carl, back in the day, old coach of the Denver Nuggets. Wow. Okay. See, that's that's the education. Ken, that's what we need, right? Because so many times you get diagnosed with certain certain cancers. And you just don't know what to do about it. And so prior to, prior to the diagnosis, Ken, what was Ken, what was Ken Jackson doing? What was life like for you? What were you doing before? So in 2013, I was just, it was a very crucial point because I was just received a promotion and assignment to run the sales operations for Lexus, what we call the Lexus Western area. So I've worked for Toyota for over 26 years, a part of one of the subsidiaries of Toyota is Lexus. So in the Irvine office, I probably was six, seven months into running that office. And what I noticed is that prior to my assignment, I was at HQ in Torrance, and I was at lunchtime having difficulty swallowing. That's for some reason, I wasn't remembering at breakfast or dinner, but I just remember I was having difficulty swallowing my food. I would bring in a lunch, I've always been pretty healthy, fitness, working out. And so I was having difficulty swallowing. No pain, just difficulty swallowing. So I let a couple months go by because I'm a stubborn male. And so I didn't go to the doctor, even though I had great insurance. And then I was on a trip with dealers in Mexico. And I was shaving and noticed a couple lumps on both sides of my throat, kind of my esophagus. And so it just, I was shaving and it felt strange. And so... I immediately went from that function to a function in Vegas and it just, it became more pronounced. And I just, I felt like I got a nudge from God saying, Hey, you need to check this out. 
So I was in Vegas on a subsequent trip after being in Mexico with other dealers. And I booked a doctor's appointment and drove immediately from Vegas to my general practitioner. And um, I just had a physical, everything was clear. And I said, hey, Dr. Young, I got these lumps in my throat. And his eyes got as big as saucers. I didn't like the look. Um, I'd never had a doctor look at me that way. And he said, I'm going to get you into an ENT. And at that point, candidly and ignorantly, I didn't really know what an ENT was, right? So he got me into an ENT. A couple of days later, I think I was in within 48 hours. And so I walked in, Dr. Zuckerman. I went from having one doctor to having six within a couple of weeks. Um, and so Dr. Zuckerman looked at me and with straight face said, I think I know what you got. I need to do a biopsy. And so I thought, and I'm ignorant. Okay, so do I come back in a week, a couple of days? Oh, no. He reaches in a drawer and what looks like the length of a steak knife jams a needle in my neck, takes a biopsy. And at that point, something triggered like I've never experienced. And I was like, okay, this is, I'm not liking it. This is, this is weird. And so I think candidly, I'm a man of faith, as I mentioned. But I definitely know what my limitations are, and some of that is vanity. And so my body is something that I take, quite honestly, a little bit of pride in. It's my temple. Um, it's something that I think I can control where other areas in our life and situations, relationships, we can't control. So my body is something I feel like part healthy and unhealthy. It's something I hang on to with a lot of vigor. So Dr. Zuckerman gives me the biopsy, and literally a week later, so that was late March. And then a week later on the 5th, he's the one that called me. And uh, I remember strangely being in the office and he goes, you have cancer. And it was the most numbing experience I've ever felt in my life. I immediately went home. Typically on Fridays, I would join my wife, go home, grab my youngest and take her to gymnastics. And that was the longest drive from Irvine to Aliso Viejo. It felt like hours trying to figure out what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? And uh, so uh, that's what Kenny Jackson was doing, climbing the corporate ladder. And that ladder came to, that climb came to a screeching halt. Yeah, I can imagine, right? I mean, that type of news when you least expect it, you know, and that, that seems to be the case a lot of times. We out here, we're living our lives and then something like that happens. So, so walk us through a little bit you know, what, what was the regimen? You know, you speak into the doctor and you're saying, mm -hmm. okay, like you had to talk about this obviously with your wife and now she, she's coming in to support you. What, what now is the regimen and how are you, how do you attack that? Yeah. So the word of the day or the word of the podcast that I may mention a couple of times is ignorance again, because I've been very fortunate and blessed from a health perspective. So Dr. Zuckerman calls me, gives me the news. And then at that point, he partners with Hogue, who I have to give a shout out. Hogue was phenomenal. I need to give Toyota a shout out because my benefits were remarkable. I know the millennials want to hop around job to job and different things. And yeah, you can earn it. But uh, again, I'm going to give Toyota props because my benefits were amazing. And Hogue, from a service perspective, they absolutely crushed it. No one wants to go to the hospital. It's like going to a car dealership for service, right? I'm, or the dentist. I don't know how many people want to go, but all that said, <laughs> Dr. Zuckerman, uh, the ENT, hooked me up with Min Win. Can't believe all these names are coming back to mind embedded in there. So Dr. Win was really my chemotherapy oncologist. 
And then we set up the regiment and he partnered with the radiation oncologist. And he also hooked me up with a dental oncologist. So all of a sudden I had this army of doctors that were working together cohesively planning things out. And so the protocol, the Dr. Zuckerman and the other doctors said is, hey, you can get through this. The success rate for treatment we feel is in the 90 percentile, but it's going to be a rough road. They said it's going to be it's going to be ugly. So the protocol was to go through three rounds of chemotherapy. And then after that, you take a couple of weeks off and then you go through seven weeks, 35 sessions of radiation. So I went through the chemotherapy. I was very ignorant. I thought that the tougher part would be the chemo versus the radiation. I was sadly mistaken. <laughs> the radiation was tough. So went in, you get a mask made, you go through the mold, you get the mask made. I learned that I was a little bit claustrophobic sitting into that little tunnel, getting that. That was brutal. But going through the radiation, it was a very numbing experience and just it just, it kicks your butt. There's another word I want to use. I'm not going to use, but um, <laughs> it, it, it knocks you down to, it was brutal. You get the metal taste in your mouth. Basically would Monday go in and get, be there for about six hours in Newport. And then I would go the subsequent days for just a few hours to get kind of the chemo. My mouth tasted like metal, lost taste, and that was the appetite, chemo. fatigue. That's right. the chemo. Yeah, the chemo was tough, and they they knew what they were doing. You go to one set, you go to chemo for a week, and then you would get you would get two weeks off. So it was a three week cycle: one week of chemo, two weeks off. And they knew what they were doing because literally that by that third week, I was I feel good. I'm like, oh, I feel normal. But after that that week of session, I, I couldn't I couldn't move. I didn't have enough energy to go up a flight of stairs. So it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. You know, Ken, I don't know if you remember this because I know the things that you're going through this journey, things are foggy. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that at that time, I was one of your radiation therapists? You're going to like make me cry. You're going to make me fall over. I don't remember that. Yeah, I know. I know, Ken, because it's so foggy, you know. Are you for real? Yeah. I won't say that. I won't say the company because uh, uh, or if I can't say the company, I'll have my people bug it out. But I don't know if you remember. We're there at a saddleback. Wow. Yeah. And so we, I was one of your radiation therapists, you know, uh, that treated you. I remember you coming through that door. And then you talk about full circle, Ken. Like, you're going to make me, you're going to make me cry, bro. You're killing me right now. Yeah. Um, so I, now I went down when I went to radiation, it still was, was it still the Hope facility? No. Down in Newport? Where was I? He was down in Laguna Hills off of Paseo de Valencia. I went to some appointments, but I know that I went to a lot of radiation, I feel, as well at Hoax. It could be a fun, but that's crazy. So tell me more from your perspective. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I remember you coming through. Were you coming through to, to, to Saddleback? We, it wasn't in the hospital. It was off-site. And so it was, right, it. it was right by the Laguna Hills High School. That's okay. right. And so that I remember you coming through there. Yeah. So definitely full circle. Definitely <laughs> full circle. Yeah, I will I will tell you the rate uh chemotherapy, tough. Radiation definitely put me through a emotional, spiritual, physical tormenting. Yes. Um 
I had to get my wisdom tooth removed. Mm. Um, I'll never forget, you know, going to get my wisdom tooth pulled because they were like, hey, you're going to get radiation from your nasal cavity down to your upper chest. You need to pull these because the likelihood is your jaw and your teeth and everything, it's going to be compromised. The radiation is going to compromise all that. So no more bar fights. Go easy if you're playing hoops and getting, you know, elbows. So got my wisdom teeth pulled. Didn't fast the night before because I don't remember those instructions. And they're like, we can't give you local anesthesia. Uh, We can't put you under. So all we can give you is local anesthesia. I'm sorry. So literally, they're just giving me some shots for the local anesthesia. And I felt like I was a project at Home Depot. Homeboy's got a foot on my chest, a knee in my chest. And he's just basically yanking my four wisdom teeth out of my head because they couldn't put me under. So I got to be awake for about two hours as they're going through each quadrant. And he's, imagine he's got like literally, I promise you, a hammer and a chisel taking all four of my wisdom teeth out. Then we go from that episode to the first radiation. And so radiation, the first two weeks, you can manage. Week three, your skin starts to feel like it's sizzling a little bit. (laughs) And then I had never heard of a compound pharmacy where I need certain stuff to put on my neck. And by week four, um, it basically feels like it's second degree burns on your neck. So, I mean, you talk about pain pills, you talk about literally minute by minute. The one thing I do want to mention, I've always had a pretty good walk with the Lord. I definitely have areas where I am struggling, as we all do. But I made a commitment that helped me through the entire journey And I was like, okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to learn through this? I'm not going to complain because I don't want to say why me. I want to be an example to others and specifically my kids. I pride myself on fatherhood, probably too much, but that's a different podcast. So I was like, how do I walk through this? And what do you want me to learn through this journey? Because what I don't want to do is you've been good to me. And you said it, you've been good to me. So I don't want to complain. And uh, I'd say the lessons that I strive to learn is, be compassionate and be grateful, be humble. Those are always kind of been my calling cards. I struggle with them at times, but grateful, compassion, humility. And so that's, you know, and again, I think the other piece is the vanity piece I mentioned, I take care of myself. And so candidly, I'll look at people that don't take care of themselves and I can get a little judgmental. And so Lord said, hey, you, hey, your lifestyle can jeopardize your lifestyle as well. So be careful in how you're judging others. Everyone has their own different walk, their own different struggle. So simmer down, young man. So this is what you get to deal with based upon what you're doing. You know, Ken, let's talk about that, right? Those values. You know, where did, where did you get those values from and the reason why you stuck to those, right? I mean, it could have been anything. But when you talk about those three, what was it about those three that made you go there? This is a deep podcast. You can get me all emotional. Um, the two people, I have to catch my breath. It's okay, Ken. That's what this is about. The two people that I always are my anchors. My Aunt Vanilla, who passed away a few years back, she was the anchor of the family. And candidly, since her passing, the family has not had the same cohesion since. But my Aunt Vanilla, was the supreme example of a woman of faith 
and knew how to get the best out of the entire family. So this is the woman that on your birthday, you literally, you got a handwritten letter, you got a card, you got maybe the gift of toy you wanted, but you got a handwritten letter, you got encouragement, you got uplifting. So my Aunt Vanilla's one. And then I'm a huge mama's boy. So my mom is a big beast. And then I have two daughters. And so I, what I would tell you is, the commitment I said verbally is, I will be around for my daughters to get married. That was not an option to not be around for her and my daughters. And I love my son. He and I are thick as thieves and my grandson. So to me, I just knew there was more life to be lived and there was more opportunities to serve, which I enjoy. I literally shared with some friends recently reading a book by John Maxwell, Developing the Leader Within You. I would highly recommend the book. I think it's edition 2.0, Developing the Leader Within You. He talks about you can climb a ladder, your corporate ladder, but what you don't want to do in life is find out that you had that ladder that you climbed is leaning up against the wrong building or the wrong industry. And so what I would say to you is I've had a great career with Toyota, but hindsight 2020, I'm built for hospitality. I'm built to serve. So that's probably the industry I should have went into. But that being said, that's where those values come from. You know, the serving compassion. I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing others succeed. That's, that's my deal. I love that about you, Ken. You know, it's, it's about giving, right? And, and how many times do we hear that? It's a, it's a, it's a principle. You know, they say there's more happiness in giving than receiving. And when, right. and I can't stress this enough. And, and for those that are out there listening to this, sometimes we feel at our worst. Sometimes we may be feeling at our worst. You're going through a diagnosis, going through this journey. How do you get out of that funk? I say to you, and it doesn't sound like it, but I, I need you to listen to this. When you're feeling your worst, go find someone you can help. If there's something you can give to them, maybe it's your time. Maybe it's some advice. Maybe it's a ride. Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's something, whatever it is that person may need. Find a way to give. And when you can do that, it does something. It gives something back to your soul. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so, Ken, when you sit here and say, when you service other people, it's a, it's a feeling. It's an amazing feeling that you get back. And so I can see, I can see why you continue to move forward uh, with that. Thank you. I agree with you hundred percent, hundred percent. So Ken, you get through this, you, you're going through these treatments, you're going through chemo. How is the, how is the family responding? How is, I mean, your kids may be, may have been young at that time. I'm not sure. How is your wife responding? How is the, the family around you responding? Yeah, it, there was a, a variety of different things that I would share with you. And I think it's beneficial for the folks that you're reaching in your audience, a couple of things. Um, overall, um, everything was, I can say everything. Things were extremely positive. Give my wife credit. She was there. She was supportive. Because um, that's a whole different upending, changing. Um, for my kids, they were... Um, it was interesting. I found out I had cancer. I got the diagnosis verbally. Told my wife first. Um, did not choose to tell my youngest because I needed to process it. But I immediately, immediately drove and told my mom and my sister. 
So I called my mom and sister um, because I'm extremely close to them. Immediately drove and told them. And then I made, called my son, told him I needed to meet him the next morning because that was a Friday. So I needed to meet him that next morning. That was tough. Oh, that was tough. Was extremely difficult. So, uh, and at that time, Kyle is, uh, if that's 2013, Kyle was born in 92. So Kyle, 19, 1920. So um, that was tough for him. And then the next morning I drove up because my middle daughter did not live with me. She lived with her mom, drove up a few hours. She lived in, um, she lived in the Central Valley. So I drove and told her mom, did not tell her yet, but told her mom. And I was actually going to visit her. So told her mom in person and her husband, because I wanted people to know and solicit prayer and support. And then um, I was a bit quiet. So, but everyone was supportive. I had a couple breakdowns, but it was really good for my kids to see, man. It was for, for my kids. I made them, I got them involved. I was intentional about that. Um, I had to get a feeding tube because I couldn't eat. So my son, my daughter, um, they would help feed me. Um, you know what I mean? So, you know, Hey, I, every couple hours I had to pump one of those insurers through my feeding tube. I involved them. One of the most special moments. Whew, I'll, I'll never forget getting through chemo. My daughter seeing, you know, you know, kind of her, her dad weakened. She made me a calendar for radiation and put all seven weeks on a big board and would X out every day. So it was cool. So, um, yeah, she would X out every day. So we just did a family countdown. Um, the other thing that I think people have to have a realistic expectation on, some people can't handle it. And I'm glad that I had the peace of God. I had enough support and love from close people. Um, I had office people at work, again, old offices, the word spread throughout the company. I was getting boxes of gift cards, um, DVD, Netflix. I mean, like people in the company, it was overwhelming. They were sending me blankets and food. It was, it was, oh, it was incredible. But it's important that for someone going through the journey, Kenny, you have to tell people that some people struggle with pain. They struggle with, it might bring up trauma and things they're dealing with. And some part, some parts it hurt. You've seen some people rallied and came by your side. Um, I couldn't really talk. Um, and so some people, I have a good friend, Alan, the same day I got the December 13th, 2013, that same year, I got the, I got these scans that my cancer was clear. That is Alan's birthday. And he would come and sit with me and watch NBA, NBA games. And we wouldn't say a word. Wouldn't say a word. I can talk. He just sit there. We would take walks around Aliso Viejo. Wouldn't talk. Um, but I had some friends. They openly told me. They were like, I have a good friend, Ramsey. He just flat out told me, he goes, I can't see you like that. He goes, I couldn't do it. So it was tough. Um, I typically weigh about 150, 155 pounds. If I'm lifting, if I'm lifting pretty hard, I'll clip 160 plus. After chemo and then radi halfway through radiation, 
I weighed a whopping 115 pounds. So I looked a hot mess. Look at you. You know, Ken, I, I love I love the way you talked about the support system, because sometimes when you go through this, you don't know who's going to show up. And sometimes the people who you think are going to show up do not. And so it's a very important, it's very important for anyone going through this. We're talking about support system. Don't worry. The people that need to show up will show up in your life. Correct. They will. And they will get you through it. Yep. And that's and, what this Kenny, Go ahead. And, and Kenny, what I would say is um, it's hard because you're going through pain, but you have to you have to strive and try to dig deep to understand other people process emotions and pain differently. And to your point, if some people are going to show up, you're be be ready to be surprised, but try to emotionally manage your disappointment. Because what you don't want to do is you're already going through a certain amount of health physically and emotionally. You want to try to manage that and your expectations of others um, and try to be as positive and be as focused and intentional um, as you can. I would say what helped me, I'm pretty anal and I like a routine. So I would tell you to share with listeners, get a routine. It's important to little kids. It's important to adults. I'm a big fan of routine. And even though the routine is not glamorous, hey, uh, I'm going to watch TV for an hour. I'm going to try to get up and walk around the house or the block or a hundred yards. Uh, I'm going to eat at this time. I'm going to do this. So I would tell you, please, please, please tell people having a routine helps. The other thing that was a bad consequence for me, side effect, I didn't hydrate well. I did not take stool softeners. So when you're dealing with a whole lot of pain meds and you're not hydrated, that's a bad recipe for a disaster. So I'll spare the gory details of <laughs> bowel movement gone wrong with some serious consequences. But I'm saying for anyone that will listen, um, stay hydrated, eat properly if you can, um, take the proper medicine, but um, just be mindful, be intentional, have a plan. Ken, you're out here dropping gems. I love it. You're dropping gems for the listeners here. And that's what we need. You know, Ken, so you go through this process. You have these dark moments I'm hearing you talk about. You're talking about these other moments that are highlights that you remember. Let me ask you this. So as you finish, as you're coming out of this and, and you're finishing that, what has changed? Ken, you know, we talked about Ken that's chasing and climbing that corporate ladder and doing the things that, you know, uh, just winning. You're just winning. But let me ask you, the Ken then before, how was it different from the Ken that's in front of us today? It's a great question. I think I learned to hold life a little more loosely. I think I increased my focus on helping others. I think the big lesson is I talk to myself a lot and be less judgmental. I think that that was the big one is everyone's going through their own struggles. Everyone has their own story. I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but the big one is strive to be less judgmental. Everyone's got a struggle. Everyone's going through it. Um, you know, that that's the big one. One of my favorite sayings, um, it's funny, my old team in San Francisco that I just left an assignment a couple months ago, they 
I say the saying all the time and they say, I say it so much that the person who really said it, it's not attributed to in their minds, but it's people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that's always kind of been who I am. And just let that and let that permeate and let that live out a little bit more boldly in my life. Um, don't hold back the love that I have for others. Don't hold back the care that I have for others. Um, be more vulnerable. Um, share more. Um, that's the journey I'm on is share more, be less judgmental. Um, another saying that Kenny says to Kenny myself is be more critical of myself than I am of other people. And I, I, I say that often before I look at someone crazy or sideways or what they're wearing or what they're doing, like stop, be more critical of myself than others. And Jim, Jim's, Jim's Ken, thank you so much for that. You know, and, and you can see, you can see that vulnerability you know, and I thank you for that because that's a gift, you know, because sometimes the blessings come through the vulnerability. And for you to sit here and talk to, to us about some of the things that you are going through in that journey is exactly what someone else may be going through. So thank you. Thank you for being that, giving us that and showing us that vulnerability. My so, pleasure. Yes, sir. Uh, as I would say, Ken, before we let you go, let me say this, you know, what is life like for you now? What is, what is it? Obviously you appreciate more and you know, you see life perspective now, but what is Ken's life like now? You know, um, I think what I've learned and what I would encourage others to do is, and I know it sounds cliche, but it's about what is, what are your natural gifts and your passions? And follow those gifts or passions. Do not follow the world. Um, everyone should run their own race. Um, and that's going to look differently. And I think it's getting more and more challenging as you look at whether that's social media, it's societal norms. Um, I think we're making progress in many facets. But I think that really it's about running your own race, being your own authentic self and being comfortable with that. I love how the world is transitioning to be more open about mental health. Um, therapy, um, counseling, uh, understanding. So right now for me, I'm at this blessed part of the journey where I've had great chapters. That first chapter of learning who I am and as an entrepreneur and coming in contact with you and other folks early on, um, my love of music. And then I had a successful corporate career. And right now the journey is about being, how can I impact others before I leave this planet? How can I help others? Um, and how can I chase some of my dreams? I love hospitality. So now that I know that, what can I do with it and hold myself accountable to it? So that's what life now is. Enjoy being a grandparent. Um, enjoy supporting others on their journey. Ken, appreciate you so much, man. You, you're a great soul. You're phenomenal. You're a phenomenal human being. And that's what we need. We need more. We need more of that. We need more of that type of love, right? Because they say love conquers all. And sometimes the world can be a, a very crucial, mean place. And so when you can get on here and share that love with others, man, that's a, it's a blessing in itself. So thank you for that. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time. Let's, um, beyond the podcast, let's make sure we stay connected, stay in touch. I'm proud of you for what you're doing. And, uh, I'm going to do everything I can to continue to kind of add some flame and some fire and some, uh, some awareness on what you're doing and your podcast and your activities. So kudos to you, man. Proud of you. Keep it going. Appreciate it.
as we say in every single episode, I want to say one, thank you, Ken, for joining us here at All Talk Oncology. But what we say in every single episode is that you're not alone in this. We're in this together. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. Until again, I'm out. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.